Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of 11 Questions, where each week we meet a new person and get to know them. I'm your host, Daman Timana, and today we meet Rana Patel, a South Asian American writer based in Los Angeles, California. Let's find out more about her after this quick word from our sponsor. Hi, Rena. Welcome to 11 Questions. I am so happy to have you here. And I want to start by asking, which Hogwarts house are you in? Uh, Definitely Ravenclaw. I had guessed it before I met you, so I'll give myself a point there. (laughs) (laughs) If you could pick only one book to read forever, which book would that be? So I guess it would have to be my go-to travel book, which is Juliet by Anne Fortier. I think every time I read it, it just brings something different for me and I notice different things all the time. So yeah, I guess guess that would be it. I haven't read that one, so I'll definitely check that out. But moving on, we are in quarantine right now. If you could pick one fictional character you could quarantine with, who would that be? I think it would have to be Percy Jackson because I had a big crush on him when I was in middle school and I still kind of do. Like the, uh, I don't know if you heard the, like they're making a TV show on Disney Plus, which is oh, so much better than the movies. Um, I'm so excited about it, but I like, you know, it would just be nice to hang out with him and like, be around him and have him be real and like eat pizza and blue food um and yeah just be able to to geek (laughs) out about greek mythology and stuff like that that sounds great and if you could travel to a fictional place with percy jackson or without where would you go travel to a fictional place i feel like it would probably be either hogwarts or the mascara Mm-hmm. Um, Hogwarts because it's Hogwarts and I've always wanted to go and like just like be able to like have it be real and learn magic and stuff and the mascara because it's in it's a beautiful island and in, uh, in the Mediterranean and it's, uh, it's filled with women and there are no men and they just like hang out and <laughs> do cool battle things and they're like warrior princesses and that's all I aspire to be. Yeah, both are great options. I think I'm also conflicted between the two. <laughs> I think I would also want to go live in Hobbiton, just like sleep and eat. Mm-hmm. That's all. Oh, that sounds so nice. <laughs> we got a taste of that a little bit in this pandemic. Just like we're at home, yeah. I sleep, I eat, I repeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Just the location would have been nicer if I was in Hobbiton. Yeah. New Zealand would be great. (laughs) Speaking of which, once things open up, where would you want to go? I've always really wanted to go on a road trip through Tuscany. Well, when I'm like a big Shakespeare nerd and a lot of Shakespeare's plays happened in Italy. So like I would love to to just like be able to travel through Italy and like get my nerd on and look at like visit all of the cities that Shakespeare had his plays in. But also just like there's so much cool history and architecture Like the town of Siena, for example, is complete. It looks exactly like it did back in like the 1400s and all of the architecture is still the same. And so that I would just geek out about that. Any movie I see about Italy and also Tuscany, I always want to go live there. I I forgot the name of the movie, but there was one where this woman goes and rents a villa and lives there for like a month. And I've always wanted to do that as well. 
that sounds really really nice okay now let's get to know you personally what are three things that you can't live without i would have to say paper because i like writing by hand my laptop because i would like to transfer said handwriting to word or something to be able to send out to people and also to communicate with people and probably like food or something i don't know <laughs> kind of need food yeah. to live so kind of do kind of do <laughs> <laughs> On your website it says that you are an author and a playwright. Which of these do you enjoy more, writing books or writing plays? And I don't know if there's a difference in the process, so maybe you can also tell me a little bit about that. I think playwriting is easier for me um because it is like all mostly dialogue and when I did theater, I kind of did everything. I was acting, um I did a lot of tech work. uh like sound design and lighting and i stage managed and i directed things as well while i was still like deep into into theater so i kind of approach my writing of plays from an actor's or a director's perspective a lot just because writing a play is so much more collaborative than like writing a book is because like all as as a writer all you really have to do is set up the the conversations and the setting and the dialogue but a lot of it what i really loved from acting was that you could take your own interpretation of it and make the story into your own like no two adaptations of a play are exactly the same because they have different actors and a different director like different set all of these things like so it's a lot more versatile and a lot more collaborative and so i liked as a writer being able to give that power to an actor or director and not exactly have explicit directions as to how i would see something put on a stage unless it was something like this has to be this way because this is how i intended it and if you don't do it like this then you're getting the intention wrong but the idea of watching someone else's experiences make your story better and turn it into something that they can also claim is something that i love with when it comes to playwriting writing a book is definitely more of a solitary process aside from like getting beta reader feedback and editors and and people who write and revise your work with you you are still the person that has to decide like this is what something looks like this is what the character is thinking this is why they're doing it you kind of need to know everything that goes on in in a character's head and it's not up to someone else to interpret that unless you are explicitly writing it in a way that's like this is for a reader to figure out you don't get that same collaborative environment so it's i think it's harder a little bit to write a book than it is to write a play um not that much harder i think cuz both are very creative processes but for me the process of writing either a play or a book is very similar i usually get my ideas from dialogue so with a play that's easy cuz it's like all dialogue and the dialogue drives the story and the things that are really intriguing for me in a play is what is left unsaid and how the actor and director interpret the words that are said out loud and the actions that reflect those words or do something different and how that looks on stage whereas with a book 
as the author, you have to figure out the meaning of things that are said in relation to the things that are unsaid. And you're in control of everything that the reader gets, that your audience gets from that. So I end up usually building my story from dialogue when it comes to writing books and short stories and things like that. That's very interesting. I never thought it would work that way. Sort of sounds like reverse engineering to me. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I'm weird. So who knows? Who knows what (laughs) other people are doing? But yeah, dialogue is definitely my strong suit. And so my first draft is usually very dialogue heavy. And then I have to like fill in the gaps and think about character motivations and why someone would do that, um, why someone would say something the way that they said it, and then move into the more deeper nuances of the story. So you have written plays, you have written scripts, you've written books, you're also a law student. There's a lot going on. But if you have to pick (laughs) one of your proudest achievements, which one would that be? I think it's getting through this last month of 2020. (laughs) I mean, this year has been wild. For me, it was getting all of the deadlines and stuff done for my book and having a draft done and like being like, hey, this is like, this is an actual story. It's a book. It's like ready for more stuff to happen to it. And on top of that, I had my first law school finals, which are hectic on their own. And for people who like are in law school and are only doing law school, it's already rough. And then you have this whole book thing on top of it. And then on top of that, we're in a pandemic. And there are also just like a bunch of things going on in my life at the same time. And like there are lots of change happening all at once. And so just have being able to get through finals while dealing with everything has been, I think, my proudest accomplishment so far, because, wow, I did not think I would be able to, I I knew, I mean, I knew I was going to come out of it in one piece, but it was just kind of like, how much emotional and mental damage will I have afterwards? (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm glad to say that it's minimal. It's there, but it's, it's a lot less than I thought it would be. Well, yeah, then that's an achievement for sure. Through this all, did you experience any act of kindness recently? Yeah, definitely. I don't think I would have been able to get through this month and this year, but mostly this month where everything was kind of happening without the amazing support of my friends. They have been there for me for years, but like this month was when I really needed them and they really stepped up. And just knowing that I have those types of people in my corner who are willing to support me through whatever it is that I'm going through and are willing to be there for me and to call when I need it, especially right now, since we're like, we're not close physically, we can't see each other. It's harder to make time for people. The fact that they were able to make time for me and help me through life, honestly, it has been the nicest thing to know and to just to experience that sort of love. That's amazing to hear. For someone to give you their time, I think is the biggest gift of all. Yeah, for sure. And since we're talking about this stuff here, what's your biggest learning been? To not take on too much, um, (laughs) because that's the thing that I do. As you have just listed everything that I have going on and your people are probably like, wow, she's crazy. Um, Yeah, you're right. I am. Um, And so just to to take on what I can and not everything that I want to and be okay with letting some opportunities go, because if I try to do everything at once, 
then none of it is going to be up to my standards and I'm just going to be even more disappointed in myself. So to just avoid all of that, we're going to try to stick to not taking on too much and only doing what I can and while making sure I have time to regroup and recharge for myself. And in that vein, also to just be nicer to myself, taking care of myself and for not taking on too much and being okay with the fact that like I can take time out of my day that's just for me and not have to be doing 12 different things in order to feel like I'm a productive member of society or worthy of someone's attention or to impress someone or whatever. It's, this is what I'm doing. This is what and what I'm doing is enough. And that's great. That's a really good lesson in self-care. Yeah, 2021, self-care. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And in the end, if you were to share with us one interesting anecdote or experience from your life, what would that be? Okay, so I guess this is this is a lesson in faking it till you make it. So I was pre-med for three and a half years in college. I feel like every South Asian person at some point is pre-med in college. And usually they figure it out within like the first few months of college that like, hey, medical school, not for me. Um <laughs> But I was the type of person that was like, well, if I can do it, then why shouldn't I do it? And it, would, it took me a while to be like, Raina, just because you can do it doesn't mean you have to, which evidently I'm still learning since I'm still taking on too much. But yeah, so while I was still on the pre-med grind, I was also majoring in English and I somehow found my way into a computational neuro lab. I needed to know how to code. I took some neuroscience classes. I didn't know how to do any of the things that they wanted me to do. And for and they somehow let me go on this two-month internship to Hamburg, Germany. And I was terrified for most of the two months that someone would realize that I had no idea what I was doing, which was accurate because I had no idea what I was doing. And they would be like, oh, this is a mistake. You need to go home. It's like, you know, I learned how to code badly on the job and I ended up I ended up presenting the research I was working on at a European neuroscience conference in Berlin that year and I got to travel and see all of these cool places and kind of like be on my own in Europe and ha I had an amazing experience and like got to do all these cool things because I decided that to kind of like really leap out of what I was comfortable with and just be like, hey, you know what? You're here now. You're gonna you're gonna figure it out. You wanted this grand European summer and this this is the kind you you're going to have to to get it. And you know, it worked out. I survived. <laughs> People thought I kind of knew what I was doing. So it was it was a really cool experience and being able to be okay with not knowing what was going on pretty much at all times and being okay with that. That was a, it was a very interesting summer. It was, it's been my, my favorite summer so far, I think. Well, it's also kind of inspiration like to hear that you stepped out of your comfort zone. You told yourself to believe in yourself and you hacked it. And you also got travel out of it. So win, win, win. Mm -hmm. And it was free because it was all <laughs> on a grant. So, um, so, so yeah, yeah it, was, it was great. Well, thank you, Rena, for sharing that with us. Now, let's talk a little bit more about your books. I saw that you have two books on your website. So would you like to talk a little bit about them and tell our listeners about your books? 
Yeah. So, so the first book that I have on my website is the boarding school survival guide. And I was actually a contributing author to it. My 10th grade English teacher, Mr. Rogers, who is amazing, had a student who also went to a different boarding high school. So I went to a boarding high school in Claremont, California called the Webb Schools. And while I was there, my English teacher, Mr. Rogers, had another stu- a former student of his who was interested in writing a book about, board- about boarding high schools in the U.S., kind of like what it's like, what to expect, the application process, all that stuff. My name came up in the conversation and they reached out to me asking if I wanted to submit something to write. And I submitted a chapter, I think it was on like essay writing and how to, how to like write a good essay and like what to kind of expect in boarding school classes and things like that. So, so I was officially a published author because of that, because if they give you a free copy of the book, you're published because you don't have to buy anything and you're like professional. So you get to tick that off the, off the box. Um, yeah, that happened when I was 16. So that was pretty cool to be like, wow, yeah, I'm 16. a published author, 16. Um, yeah. And then this book that I have, that I'm working on right now is actually my second novel. I wrote a book while I was in middle school, that was a complete ripoff of Narnia. Like it was so bad and so obvious that if I had ever gotten it published, I would get sued by the C.S. Lewis estate. But, like, but it you was, finished it. I, 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 would, I finished it. Yeah. Yeah. It took me, it took me two, like two and a half years. Um, I started it when I was 12 and finished it when I was 14, um, a couple days before I started high school. And wow. I think yeah, it was like right 260 some pages. Because I'm like, wow, Diana <laughs> has written books when she was 14, 16. What am I doing with my life? Yeah, because because I because I had time then. Like <laughs> I don't know. Like up until up until this pandemic, I didn't really like. I don't even now. I don't understand how professional authors. Well, I understand how professional authors do it because this is like like their bread and butter is to write books, like the really, the famous ones who are full-time authors, like this is just their job. But for people who are are just writing books on the side and they have like a full-time job or like if they have kids and like families and other other like adult responsibilities, I'm like, I don't know how, how you get the time or find the time to write a book like in a year or whatever, like people who do NaNoWriMo, I'm like, y'all are insane. Yeah, I don't. I signed up for that two years in a row, but like I didn't produce much because it becomes so stressful. <laughs> <laughs> and then like yeah. within week um, one, I'm like, um, I don't have enough content to write. So that just fizzles away. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. But yeah, I, just, I mean, like, you know, when you're like 13 and you finish all your homework within like two three hours after you come home from school the rest of the day is like well I can play video games or I can like read more or like for me it was I'm gonna write this book that um, an achievement so, because yeah no 13 year old is like I'm done with my homework let me write a novel <laughs> <laughs> no only the weird ones <laughs> well, yeah I'm jealous of that weirdness um, I wish but, I but yeah <laughs> thanks thanks um but yeah so my so my current book that I'm working on right now is an urban fantasy loosely based off of the Orpheus and Eurydice myth in Greek mythology. And I kind of got the idea after listening to a song by this band called the Fratellis. They're a Scottish rock band. Check them out. They're super cool. 
Um, I want them to be my friends. Uh, but um, they had just released an album in 2015 called Eyes Wide Tongue Tied and their, their single from the album, Me and the Devil. When I heard it, I got super excited. My like theater brain was kind of going off because it sounded like such a cool number that could be used for like the opening number for a musical. The, the song is kind of about this man who decides to sell his soul to the devil. And I was just, I just got thinking like, what kind of a person would be in a position to do that? Like what, what would drive someone to go to the, those lengths? And when I thought of that, I thought of Orpheus and his deal with Hades to get his wife back. And I was like, okay, well I have my story now. So it just kind of, it kind of morphed from that and turned into this story about a man in New York who is kind of working as this underground programmer for what's left of the New York mafia and him sort of like going through life and kind of realizing like, oh, the life that I want to live is something attainable. And there's some really cool things with death going on and like there's hell involved and I've got a South Asian character. So like there's a lot of South Asian influence uh, in the other protagonist uh, and also just like how the mythology is used. Hindu mythology, we have a very similar story with Savitri and Satyavan. And so I, I got to, I really loved exploring the, the similarities and differences between the Orpheus story and the Savitri and Satyavan story and how those connected uh, in the book. So I don't know, I, I'm, I'm a big nerd when it comes to mythology. So it was really cool to just be able to explore that in this, in this book. It sounds very interesting. I, I also used to love watching mythology growing up in India. I grew up in India, so there were some mythology mm -hmm. TV series always going on. And although I'm not a yeah. very religious person, the stories used to fascinate me. So I think They're I'm so very cool. in your book. Um, and would you yeah. call it like Thank a you. fantasy genre for your book or is it contemporary? Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely fantasy um, because some, some of the the book takes place in like uh, and like an afterlife underworld kind of thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of it takes place in the real world. And so the fun thing that I had to grapple with was kind of like, how do you shift from a very realistic world to something that's so fantastical? And the answer is death. In terms of fantasy, it would probably lend itself into a sort of like urban fantasy kind of like a lot of Neil Gaiman's books. Like mm -hmm. I've been reading Neverwhere and that sort of like London above and London below is kind of, I think like the vibe really works with that in that way. Well, I'm definitely interested in reading your book and I really look forward Thank to you. it. Thank you. I'll let you know when something happens with it. <laughs> and other than this book, are you working on other projects? Any new books or plays or scripts? So I have a couple of things going on mostly in my head, but um, <laughs> not really anything like super concrete. But I am working on the short story about a woman who, a South Asian woman who's getting married and she's like, you know, she's at the, the Mundup, which is for people who aren't South Asian, our version of like the altar where you like sit and get married at. And fire is a big part of Hindu weddings. And so I also wanted to play on this idea of the concept of fire with the practice of sati, which was 
it's banned now, thank God. But back in the day, when a woman's husband dies, the tradition was that the wife would wear her her wedding sari and get cremated with her husband's body. I don't know. It was like a way to maintain her purity. I don't know. It was some, some stupid, Yeah, I, I don't want that. to get into um, that. It's like such a cool yeah. practice. <laughs> it's illegal now, <laughs> as it should be. But yeah, uh, so I, so like this woman is getting married to a man that like is, you know, he's, he's probably a good guy, whatever. Um, And like, but it is definitely like something that she's doing because it's kind of like her duty as a daughter and like, it's for her parents and like, she's, she's like in her thirties. So it's like, if you don't do it now, then like, when will you ever find someone? And like that, that kind of narrative. And while she's sitting there going through the the wedding ceremony and the process and everything, she starts feeling like she's on fire. The clothing gets really hot and like her gold jewelry starts to burn her, burn her skin. And like, she just kind of feels like, like she's like something is setting her on fire and she gets to the end of the ceremony and she can't take it anymore. And she just gets up and starts taking everything off, trying to like not be on fire anymore. And she ends up in just like her blouse and the petticoat underneath the sari and runs outside and it's raining. And like, that's like, and she's just like, it's this idea of like, like you, like, I think, I guess like using this like oppressive practice and turning it into something that's liberating in a way and kind of like breaking that sort of chain. So that's, that's a current short story that I'm working on right now. I love it. I think even just by you telling me the plot, I can visualize it. And it sounds so powerful. So whenever it's out, I'm here for it. Thank you. I guess it will be out on the internet at some point. And maybe by the time this is released, it'll be, it'll already exist in on the internet. Ooh, awesome. So yeah, it'll, it'll hopefully be a thing soon. If our listeners want to get in touch with you or find your previous works or future works, where can they reach you? I am on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Raina Patel Writes for both Instagram and Twitter. And I also have a website, which is Raina-Patel.com. And there's like a little contact section where like, if you want to reach out to me on there, it'll send me an email, but I'm pretty active on social media. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's a vice of mine. So if you reach out to me on there, I will definitely see it and respond soon. That's where you can find me. Thank you so much for joining us on 11 Questions podcast today. It's been so wonderful getting to know you. And I really hope we meet again, maybe around when your book's out. Yeah, yeah, I will let you know. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Rena. Hope you enjoyed getting to know her as much as I did. You can also watch a video version of this conversation on 11 Questions YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to 11 Questions wherever you are listening. And if you like this episode, please leave a 5-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at 11QuestionsPod for more videos and updates. And I'll be back next week with a new guest. Bye!